The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Hey, hey, welcome, Disability Law Show. Good to have you here. we got another half hour to make you that much smarter. I'm just the host. I talk a bit, but the true intelligence, the uh, the brain power behind the show, always Savannah Tamarkin, Sanfiru Tamarkin, LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. Do not hesitate. In fact, encouraged to reach out, have your chat if you have questions about the world of disability, dealing with that insurer, whether it's an appeal or you've been denied benefits. There's so many ways they can try to roadblock you, but a phone call is how it starts to get some clarity. Anytime toll-free, of course, one 821 5900 Email, which we're going to get to here in just a moment, help at disabilityrights.ca, and I'll give you some other contact information as we progress through the half hour here on a uh, on a Friday evening. But we always start off with the week that was, big fellow. What do you got for me? Hey, John, great to be here with you. And uh, yeah, you're right. We're going to talk about long-term disability, but we also do personal injury claims. And, you know, we just passed by uh, a pretty harsh winter. Well, it, it was a weird winter. There's some harsh elements there uh, and some mild ones, and that created uh, very dangerous conditions, especially on the road. So let me tell you about an interesting conversation I had with somebody that I've known for many, many years. Uh, she's in her uh, late 40s. Uh, she is a physiotherapist by profession. And she was out, uh, riding a bike, as I know you like to do, John. Uh, and this was, uh, this was a few months back. And uh, as she was riding her bike, uh, a, a motorist, uh, someone in a car was not paying attention and, uh, essentially struck her. Luckily, yeah. it wasn't too bad, uh, in terms of the fact that it wasn't a head-on collision. Uh, but it was significant enough that she fell off her bike as a result of, uh, of, of the impact. And she rolled a few times. She had a helmet on, but she broke her right knee. And she needed surgery for that right knee. And uh, there were some complications afterwards. Now, being a physiotherapist, obviously, she understands what it takes uh, you know, to heal, to get better. And she got that surgery. She went to rehab. Uh, there was a lot of it. And uh, she is still not back at work uh, because of her injuries, because of the complications that ensued. She has a small kid at home. Her husband helps a lot. She has her mother with her now, uh, who has had, uh, uh, you know, since the accident, she, she, her mother had to reduce her hours and her work. Uh, she, she's actually a legal assistant and, and help uh, this lady um, at, at, at home, taking care of the house, etc. And uh, recently... This lady applied for long-term disability, and she was denied. And she was denied on the basis that the insurer says that there was insufficient medical documentation preventing her from working in her profession as a physiotherapist, particularly mm-hmm. since she has to use her, her hands, really, which is completely not true. It's not just her hands. She's using her entire body. Anybody that, have, that has dealt with physiotherapists understand that it's a full-body oh, uh, yeah. um, you know, type job, and it's a difficult job to do, especially when you're doing it day in and day out uh, every hour. And so she came to me and she asked me, what are the options here? And I explained to her, look, there are several claims here that you can make. Uh, and this is what the show is about, John. It's educating people out there. It's explaining to them that as a lawyer, uh, I can help you understand what your rights are. No obligation. doesn't cost anything. It's just you and I speaking about your case, your situation, and what kind of compensation you can be looking at. 
So there are several things here. Let's break it down. She was struck by a car. So automatically, she's entitled to what's called accident benefits here in Ontario. Those accident benefits uh, include, as a result of her not being able to work, up to $400 a week. Uh, There's a formula the insurance companies use, but it's up to $400 a week for income replacement. Uh, and, and that's really important. It doesn't cover the first week that you were off, but it covers you thereafter. Uh, and in, in addition to that, there's obviously medical and rehabilitation benefits. Uh, she, she's a non-catastrophic injury, thank God, but she's also not within the minor injury guideline, which is how we classify these kinds of injuries resulting from car accidents. If it's a very tiny injury, if it's nothing that is major, most likely you're going to be classified within the minor injury guideline, which means that you have less benefits available to you from the automobile insurer. So one of the questions people ask me, obviously, is if they're cyclists or pedestrians, what you know? Who's which insurance company is going to be paying me those benefits? Well, in, in the case of this lady here, she doesn't have, she doesn't drive an, a, a car. Uh, in any event, she was at the time uh, riding her bike, so it's going to be the insurance company of the person who hit her that's going to be paying her accident benefits, those income replacement benefits of up to four hundred dollars a week, medical rehabilitation benefits, and any other benefits that she may be entitled to under uh, that policy. In addition to that. Because her injury is fairly significant, it's a knee fracture, she's in her late 40s, she had to have surgery, she's probably going to have to uh, you know, deal with this injury in the long term. She's probably not going to fully recover, she's going to plateau at some point. Uh, and I'm speaking, uh, I'm saying this because that's what her doctors have told her. She's going to have a significant claim to advance against the at-fault party, the person who actually hit her the person who actually struck her. Uh, and really, it's not that person who's going to pay her. It's, again, that person's insurance company. That's why we all have insurance, so that if we're negligent and we cause harm to someone, their insurance company is going to pay us, or is going to pay out, sorry, uh, compensation to the injured party. That's how it works. So in this case, I can tell you that in my experience, when you're dealing with a broken knee, uh, requiring surgery with issues in the future, your pain and suffering damages in that kind of a situation can be sixty, seventy, even eighty thousand wow. dollars worth. Wow! Uh, there is a deductible that applies to that, but in addition to that amount, there's also potential income losses, past income losses, future income losses. Maybe she's not going to be able to work to the same capacity, the same way in the future. So, what does that mean? Who's going to pay for that? Well, it's going to be potentially, or at least some of it, will be paid by the insurance company of the person who struck her. What about her mother who's helping her now? Well, under the Family Law Act, the legislation we have in Ontario, certain family members can get compensation for services that they provide to injured individuals. Right. Again, this is something most people are not aware of. So her mother can be compensated here, maybe her husband as well, maybe her children, uh, her, her, her uh, um, uh, kid. Uh, so you see, John, there's a lot of damages here. This is a claim that will be in the six figures. I can tell you that right now. She's going to be owed, I don't know if it's a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, but a lot of money from the insurance company of the person that struck her. Now, let's move now to the long-term disability component here. Remember, I started the the conversation by saying that she also applied for long-term disability, and she was denied on the basis of insufficient medical documents. Now, you you and I, John, have talked about this a lot. Insurance companies, disability companies, deny claims all the time for stupid reasons. And I say stupid reasons because oftentimes these reasons have no legs. But people simply accept those denials or they appeal those denials. 
And I always tell people, before you appeal any long-term disability denial, please reach out to us so we can go over your case with you and tell you, does it make sense to even appeal? Because many of these appeals end up getting denied over and over and over, and there are strict time limitations for forcing the insurance company legally to pay you what you're owed. And so I explained to her here that, look, you have an orthopedic surgeon, you have a family doctor. Uh, I think she has a, a rheumatologist as well because there's concern about uh, arthritis in the future. Uh, so, you know, she has these doctors, all of whom have confirmed that she's unable to work for the foreseeable future because of her injury in her role in her job as a physiotherapist. And yet the insurance company has denied her long-term disability claim. That's a big no-no. And we're going to be able to help her. I explained that to her. We'll help her get the compensation that she's entitled to from the long-term insurance company. So we're dealing here, John, as you can see, in this kind of a case that arose from a single accident with three insurance companies. Accident benefits, tort, which is against the driver that caused the accident, and the long-term disability insurance company. Three different insurance claims. We're going to need all of these parties at the table at the end of the day if we're going to negotiate a resolution for her and make sure that we maximize the amount of money that goes in her pocket. So, you know, a lot of information out there, John, but it really, mm -hmm. you know, if you take anything out of this is that you need to give us a call and it's a no uh, fee consultation. We don't, in fact, we don't get paid at all unless we actually recover money for our clients. Right. So, you know, we put our money where our mouth is or we put our effort where our mouth is. Right, we're very, very upfront with our with our clients, with anybody that calls us. We will go through everything with you. We'll review the documentation. We'll tell you exactly what we can and cannot do, and if the insurance company is correct or not. You know, there is a benefit here: the fact that I used to work for insurance companies that does give me an edge, I think, over other people who have not worked for insurance companies in the past. I understand how they think. I've defended them. I understand where the pressure points are, and many of our of our team members, many lawyers on my team have also worked for insurance companies in the past. So it, it does give us, you know, a more comprehensive viewpoint. So John, again, that's the that's the that's the message here. You know, anybody that's injured as a result of someone's negligence, anybody that's denied long term disability, please give us a call. We can help. Again, that number, guys, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. You know, it's interesting. I know we had a break in, in a couple minutes here, but you mentioned, you know, uh, using the person's insurance. In this case, it was somebody they didn't know they they were on a bicycle, so on and so forth. But you mentioned in the past that if you're in a if you're in a collision in a car and you're injured, say your your brother, your dad, your mom was driving, you can you don't want to, right? Because it's it's it feels like you're kind of screwing a family member, but you shouldn't think that way when making a claim against their insurance, correct? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. And that's something people don't understand is that if you are entitled to compensation because of a car accident and someone you like or you love or is a friend of yours was driving the car at the time, yeah. yes, technically it's against them, but it's not because the person or the entity that pays is the insurance company. Insurance companies would love you not to do anything about it, and it's your prerogative if you don't want to do anything about it. But here's the deal, John. If you're injured in a car and your wife was driving, and it's it was her negligence, she made a mistake, whatever, something happened, the legal claim is against her, but she's not the one paying. It's the insurance company. Mm -hmm. Now, some people will say, yeah, but, you know, I, I don't want to do it. It just it doesn't sit well with me. I'll say, okay, John, would you say the same thing if I were to tell you that your claim is worth $100,000, that the insurance company is going to pay you hundred grand? Yeah. What if it's two hundred grand, three hundred, five hundred, a million dollars? Are you still going to take that position? At the very least, explore your options. Yeah. So I understand that people have this issue. I understand that it's an inner battle. I also understand people who say, "I don't want to be one of those people." Listen, 
Insurance companies love that kind of thinking because it means that the money that they, they would otherwise have to pay you and your family, they get to keep. That's, that's the issue here. It's not their money. It's yours. Appreciate that. And we're going to get to Shane's email. Hang on, big guy. I see you there. Uh, you can send one along anytime as well. It may appear on a future show. Here's how that goes. Help at disabilityrights.ca. And that number, one 821 5900 Short break. Right back at it. More of the Disability Law Show to get you in. Your weekend is coming right up. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. The Law Show about to get into your weekend. Got some uh, some emails to cover ahead of time. Though Shane writes in and says, guys, great show. Love it. I have a question, though, about one of my friends at work that I was hoping to get uh, your thoughts on. He's in his late 30s, and about a year ago, he was hit from behind by a guy who was just wasn't looking and driving too fast when it was icy on the roads. Since then, my friend has been regularly absent from work because of his injury. And when I talk to him about it, he says that the only reason he's still coming in on occasion is because he doesn't want to lose his job, but he's definitely unable to do what he did before. We're both contractors and we work on high-rise buildings. He went to a lawyer who uh, wanted an upfront retainer, but he couldn't afford it. Big surprise. Uh, What do you think he should do? Well, first of all, Shane, thank you very much for contacting us. I I really applaud you because many people here who are listening, I'm sure they know someone who needs this information who could use our help or at least get the information they need, but they don't let them know. So please let people know if you can think of anyone who's having an issue because of an injury, because of a denial of a disability claim, we are here to give out this information or at the very least post a question on their behalf on mydisabilityquestions.com. Now, Shane, let me break this down for your friend. This is really important. Number one, the fact that he was hit from behind tells me, obviously, that liability or fault lies with whoever it is that hit him from behind. And this is an important point because sometimes liability or fault when you're dealing with car accidents or even slip and falls is not clear cut. Sometimes it's a 50-50, sometimes it's a 75-25, right? What if the person was waiting to do a left-hand turn and the other person went on a red or a yellow? So... You know, I always look at who is potentially at fault here. And in this case, your friend is clearly not at fault. He was hit from behind by a guy who was not looking. Presumably, that person was also charged by the police. Now, your friend has been having difficulties from work. So clearly, his injuries are significant enough to warrant two things. Number one, accident benefits. If he hasn't already gotten accident benefits from his insurance company, from his automobile insurance company, he is entitled to that. And, you know, we talked about before in the last segment about income replacement benefits, medical rehabilitation benefits. Uh, you know, there's other types of benefits that are available under the accident benefits scheme, again, depending on the severity of the injuries. Those include non-earner benefits, attendant care, transportation costs, housekeeping and home maintenance, damages to any items during the accident, caregiver benefits, all that kind of stuff. So anyone in a car accident should be contacting us so we can give you this information about what kind of accident benefits you're entitled to. Going back to your friend, Shane, uh, given the fact that he still has issues with working, so he's afraid to lose his job. Let me tell you this. Uh, at our firm, we deal with not only injuries and disability claims, but employment work. And John, you know this, you do shows with our employment lawyers throughout the country. Mm -hmm. If your friend Shane has any issues with his work, we can help. We help non-unionized employees. We cannot help people who are unionized because only the union can. But if your friend is non-unionized, 
we can definitely help here. If he loses his job, we're going to be on the employer. We're going to force the employer to pay your friend significant compensation for severance and maybe even human rights damages because he's letting go of someone who is essentially disabled. But sometimes, John, we can jump into action and prevent that from happening by sending a warning letter to the employer or just speaking, Shane, with your friend and explaining to your friend what he can do in, or say to the employer to make sure that you know the risk for him being let go is minimized. Again, people just need this information. Information is power. Remember that. So we can deal with the employment side of things. And we have lawyers, by the way, that have a specialty or an expertise in both disability slash injury as well as employment work. We can help on all fronts here. Now, uh, one more thing I want to mention here. You said, Shane, that your friend went to a lawyer who wanted an upfront retainer. Uh, this, this is, it makes me angry when I hear this. When you're dealing with somebody who has been injured, someone who has difficulty working, potentially is making less money, sometimes no money. Uh, when you're dealing with a personal injury, when you're dealing with a disability claim, in my view, in my view, no lawyer should be charging for a consultation or frankly even for the work that is done unless that lawyer actually gets money for their clients. Right. Now, I'm not telling how the lawyers how to do things. Lawyers can do whatever they want. What I'm saying is lawyers that I know, uh, friends of mine, uh, very good lawyers, very good law firms, they don't charge not only an upfront retainer, they don't charge anything for an injury claim or a disability claim until the case is resolved and the client has money. In other words, we charge a percentage of whatever we can recover for you. If we got a dollar for you, we get a percentage of that. If we got zero dollars for you, we get nothing. We lose our time. We lose the money we spent on advancing your claim. So, Shane, you're asking what you should should your friend do? Your your friend should stay away from the lawyer like the one that he had uh, gone totally. to. Uh, we'll be more than happy to speak with him. He can certainly go to any other lawyer or law firm. We're not the only ones uh, who do this in Ontario, but... We know what we're doing. We have a very solid reputation with insurance companies, certainly on the employment side of things. We are the largest uh, employee uh, uh, firm in the country, meaning uh, we represent uh, employees who have been let go from their jobs or have issues with their employers. Uh, we are, we are, you know, just look at our Google reviews. You'll understand, you know, how many people we've helped and, and, and you know, the kind of quality that we provide. But but again, Shane, just have your friend reach out to us so we can explain everything, go through everything. Uh, he can reach out to me directly. John's going to give you the number uh, and be more than happy to explain to him exactly what his options are. Shane, appreciate it. And uh, there you go. That number, as mentioned, one 821 That's the one you want to use, one 821 5,900. I want to get to one more email here. You're going to love this. And um, it's, it's signed off as loyal viewer. And indeed, this person is a loyal viewer because when you hear what they're going to say here, they've obviously watched the show and listened to a radio show and TV show. It says, can you deal with this issue on your weekly show? When a person is declined benefits, the insurance company will encourage you to appeal. Two, three, four, five appeals kind of follow. And once the two-year period passes, they will wash their hands of you and you're out of luck. Since the appeal is a joke and not independent, can an argument be made that the insurance company fraudulently led a person to appeal running out the clock? The appeal goes to the same person, and I think it would be hard for the insurance company to show they seriously reviewed new info that was provided i love this i love this email i love this too i love this email too and thank you to the loyal viewer obviously they're referring to our tv show yep. uh but uh this is an excellent question look 
Uh, I have made it uh, no secret that I despise insurance companies. I think we need them around, but I think there's not enough regulations. Certainly, I don't think their their feet uh, are held to the fire nearly enough. Uh, I think so. What this person is talking about, by the way, is that when you are denied long-term disability or short-term, for that matter, the denial letter at the end of the letter will contain one or two paragraphs that invite you to appeal that decision. What they're not telling you is that this appeal is not objective. This appeal is not done by a third party, another company, a judge. No, the appeal is done by the same company, the same insurance company that has denied you in the first place. It may be a person, uh, a different person that had denied you initially, but I can pretty much guarantee you that it's the same kind of information that is being assessed. Now, they may ask you for new information, which, by the way, confuses many people because many people who are denied already have all the information there. They've already given the insurance company all the medical documents the insurance company needs. But insurance companies decline these all the time. And I have asked for years the insurance industry and specific insurance companies, adjusters and lawyers, to provide us with statistics of how many of these appeals are actually successful. They say they don't have those statistics. Some of them have told me that. And some of them have said, uh, yeah, no, we're not going to provide that to you. First of all, I don't believe they don't have statistics. I believe they do. I believe that the rate of approvals is extremely low. I've once, actually many times I've said, John, that people are very free to appeal these decisions. But, you know, the success, the chance of success in my mind, in my mind, is like winning a lottery. Rarely do I hear of someone getting an appeal overturned. Uh, and, and again, I'm not saying there's no people out there. I'm sure there's adjusters out there who are going to say, no, you're wrong. I just did one this past week. Good for you. But there are many people out there who get denied over and over when they should be approved. And here's the problem. There is a two-year limitation period, as this person has, has uh, written to us, to start a legal process against the insurance company. And I have had people contact me saying, look, I've appealed this X amount of times. My denial happened three years ago. Can I do anything? And I have to tell them, no, you can't. You can't because the first time you had been denied long-term disability was over two years ago. Now, there are some circumstances where the timing may be off. In other words, with COVID, there was some suspension of the limitation period. There's a few arguments there that are running around. Uh, there are arguments about, you know, does the clock start from when the first time the person was denied or, or later on? Look, you should be counting the clock from the time you were first denied long-term disability. That's when you should be counting the two years. And I've seen people who miss that period of time and then insurance companies come out and say, no, you can't, you know, you can't, we don't have to pay you anymore. And if you bring a legal claim, we're going to strike it down. We're going to bring a motion before a judge to, to get rid of you. So I despise this. Now, can you get punitive damages against insurance companies for doing this? You know, you bet you that we try and we claim those. We claim punitive damages, punishment against insurance companies in almost every claim that we bring. Because when we bring a claim, we believe in that claim. We also believe that people are entitled to respect. They're entitled to be treated fairly and reasonably by insurance companies. Mm -hmm. And too often, unfortunately, I don't see that happening. I see insurance companies being very blasé, denying these kinds of, of claims, left, right, and center, for absolutely no good reason. And that's why we get involved, and that's why our success, uh, our success rate is extremely high. We get money from these insurance companies, and we make things right. But we can't do anything unless you contact us. So thank you to that loyal viewer, John. Uh, but it's an excellent question, and we're more than happy to help people with this. 
Guys, that is it. It goes really quickly, but that means you can uh, carry on the conversation now that we're done with uh, Savannah and his team. Again, they're always standing by, ready to, to talk to you, have a lengthy conversation about your particular situation, but don't let it fester. Reach out and get educated about uh, whatever uh, pickle you're in, right? one 855 through phone, email help at disabilityrights.ca or simply disabilityrights.ca for more contact and links to our TV show as well. And we'll catch you next time right here on the Disability Law Show. Have a great weekend. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.